Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to mitigate crises and help teams get back on track. This podcast is about helping the C-suite leader to navigate challenges with confidence. For today's leader, I'm here to help you get back on track. Tomorrow's leader, let me partner with you to learn the secrets of the C-suite. Wherever you're at in your career, this is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I want to thank you for joining us for another amazing episode where week after week, I speak to leaders who share their insights and inspiration with you. And if you like this episode, and I know you will, please subscribe, rate, review, tell others, don't keep this a secret. Let's elevate others through sharing this podcast. And just know I am here to help the C-suite leader of today and tomorrow navigate your challenges with confidence. And it's with that that I bring such guests onto the show. Today, I am pleased to have Aaron Salo. Aaron, founder and CEO of XOI Technologies, launched his business to help field service companies overcome a formidable challenge facing their industry, a glaring shortage of skilled workers. Blue-collar work has marked Aaron's entire personal and professional life, instilling in him a passion for the hardworking people in the field service industry and the importance of them in our everyday lives. It is with this passion that led him to build a modern cloud-based technology solution that transforms the way these companies do business and service their customers. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Deb. Excited to be here. And I am as well. And the reason why, to my listeners, I brought you onto the show, what he does is near and dear to my heart. My husband's family has come up in the trades. He is in construction management. We have a tremendous respect for those skills. I mean, hard-earned skills that help people in their everyday lives. And so there is a shortage. I so agree with that. But when I found Aaron, I was so curious and so interested in the work that he's doing to really elevate this industry. So Aaron, I would love for you to share a bit about yourself personally and your career journey. Absolutely. Thank you for those kind words. I grew up and was born and raised in Michigan. And the reason I bring that up is most of us know been around for a little while, automotive capital of the country and and a lot of blue collar workers. I grew up in a bit of a bubble, I tell people. And so when you talk about the, the big respect you have and what your husband does and folks in that family, everyone I knew and loved worked with their hands. I almost thought that that was all you did. That's all you could do. It wasn't lost on me that there were lawyers and accountants and other people, but but certainly everyone I knew and loved worked with their hands. And so there was a pride in that. Throughout my life as, as a professional working in companies, as an entrepreneur, became clear to me that my generation was told a bit of a different story and that the story that was told to most folks in my generation is go to college at all costs. You should go to college no matter what. Not that education is a bad thing. It's not. It's a great thing. But four-year degrees are not for everyone. Uh, sometimes a two-year trade school on a really good craft, like being an electrician or an HVAC person or plumber is something you should hold in high regard as well. And so as it became evident to me that that wasn't the case, you know, it was it was an opportunity. I was just young and dumb enough and naive enough to go, I can start a company and solve this problem. I think you need a little bit of that when you're starting out because it's very, very hard and you sacrifice a lot. And that's how XOI was born. So uh, we're all about trying to, to use technology to help the men and women that really deserve it in the field doing these really hard, really dirty jobs. So let's go back to though believing in yourself and said, I can start a business because there's so many people out there. One, I interview a lot of 
business owners, I also talk to a lot of people who are in the corporate structure and feel a purpose or a need to do something more. So what was it about you that said, I can do this? And what were those early years like for you starting a business? Was it easy out of the gate or what challenges did you have to overcome? Yeah, I'll I'll say that to lay that foundation. My dad is an entrepreneur in, in manufacturing. And we were, you know, I was born in a very poor situation, you know, food stamps, government subsidized housing, that type of thing. And I watched my dad, uh, I mean, we'd keep our food outside in Michigan in the winter because we couldn't afford a refrigerator. You know, those are the kind of things that, that we had growing up. We started a company and I watched him sacrifice as an entrepreneur. And by the time we were, I was graduating high school, I think he bought himself a Corvette and had a nice house and that kind of thing. And so... It was really interesting because I, I, again, very poor situation to Corvette. I mean, it was, it was kind of a wild experience. But for me, I got to see what the in-between was, which was ugly in a lot of ways. It was hard in a lot of ways. And so when you ask about my journey as an entrepreneur, I, I wouldn't have probably even thought about it or certainly not respected it in the way I should have if I wouldn't have watched that my entire childhood. Because I remember seeing a grown man, 6'4", 280, mostly muscle. My dad's just this farm boy, big guy. In tears because he was working so hard. You know, he didn't cry much, but he just he 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 sacrificed so much to build that company. So you know, the entrepreneurial journey. I felt like all that being said, starting X Y was even harder than I thought. And I had that foundation. Um, I remember telling my wife, "Smart glasses were coming out." I, I thought about this man. You could see what someone sees, hear what they hear, talk with them about it in real time. That's how X Y started. And I remember saying, "Hey, honey, what's going to be you know." couple of years without a salary, but you're a nurse and we don't have kids yet. And it'll be awesome because, because you can pay the bills. And I think, I think my first salary came maybe four years in. <laughs> so a little bit more before I started getting a paycheck, but we just, we saw the need being met. We saw that there was interest. We were learning and it became clear that we had a much broader opportunity. And although we got away from the actual hardware smart classes, if we wouldn't have started there, we wouldn't have uncovered the massive opportunity on job sites. So it's a little bit about, you know, my family and why that connected with me. And then also like the reality of doing it. I talk about being naive because you do have to, you have to, if I knew, if I know what I knew now, I probably would have never done it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I'm like, gosh, it's so hard for all these reasons and people and money and all the things, right? Um, so you have to be a bit naive, I think, to, to go take that journey. So you do give me a little faith because I also didn't come from an entrepreneurial background, but I think, and I just spoke to somebody in another podcast interview, sometimes it just takes being incredibly stubborn, (laughs) which I think I am. It's like, I can do this. I can figure out. I'll find somebody to help me do this. I am not going back to where I came from. All I want to do is move forward. And so if there are stubborn people out there, if nothing else, you want to believe in yourself because if you have the right network, people are going to want to help you succeed. I've got a mentor right now. and He keeps saying to me, all I want to do is help you succeed. But I want to just come back a little bit to what you do. I thought it was so unique, the service or problem that you have solved that helps the people in the trades. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, to make it resonate for your audience. And if you think about anytime you've ever had a plumber, an electrician, and HVAC system at your house go down. There's a man or woman that comes there that has a set of skills that allows them to diagnose and fix that problem. Um, the reality is, is that those those folks, because of the nature of how we've marketed college degrees and you know the fact that those those jobs have been looked down upon for quite some time is less than 
there's a massive skilled trades gap. So there are not enough people to do those jobs. Uh, I can't tell you how many customers I have that they, I could hire 15 technicians today. They just don't exist. I don't, I can't find them. And so the reality of, of that is, is why XOI is a company because we're able to solve for how do you deliver better information using our application on site, you know, give you live video support. So that technician that's at your home that is trying to fix your HVAC system in July. They, they use XY to take a picture of that data plate on your unit. Our system pushes manuals, wiring diagrams, asset history, video content, everything relevant about that piece of equipment to walk them through a problem to the solution. And if all that doesn't help, an expert on that piece of equipment that can visually walk them through the problem to the solution. And so if you think about the fact that we have a massive skilled trades gap and put in the context of the things we all, if we're honest, we take for granted, <laughs> you know, at some point in our lives, right, that we have water, that we have electricity, that we have these things, those have to be maintained by really smart human beings that understand those nuances. And our tool allows to give them the data and the knowledge to make that happen. So your customers are the trades companies, the HVA yeah. system, all of that to just kind of, That's right. I guess, preserve that knowledge or get the knowledge that they need to service and get it done quicker. Yeah. And so this this idea in the industry is that when someone retires, a library burns down. Yeah. And that's that's the truth because they built 40 years, 50 years of, of tacit tribal knowledge that is in a library that goes away. And, and I can't tell you how many times someone's like, can you call Randy who's fishing in retirement so we can figure out how to fix this thing? <laughs> and so using technology to democratize that knowledge and that information um, is really what our company is about. And there's a lot of interest at every stakeholder in our market in being able to provide those types of solutions. So for somebody like me and others out there that may be listening that are building businesses because they believe it's the right thing to do, the right problem to solve, when when was it for you that you felt like I've arrived? I am now in the right place. I've got customers. I've got people giving me the right feedback. When did you feel like, okay, I've made it? And it's beyond yeah, just the paycheck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we have so much. We may we we have so much opportunity still, and and. In the moment in which I felt accomplishment and that we had built something meaningful was the first time a technician that was using our product left the company he was working for, went to another company and brought our software with him. And yes. we'd had referrals before, and this was not that long ago. This was a few years ago, but like we'd had referrals. We had big, big opportunities and big revenue deals and all these things, but that meant more to me than anything else because somebody that inherently doesn't want to use technology, they, they want to work on equipment. They like to work with their hands. They thought so much of what we built. And it's happened a lot since then, fortunately. But like that they were like, hey, I need this to do my job. This isn't because my boss liked it or the team liked it or whatever. Like, I have to have this. And the first time that happened where I think we really honed in our product because those people are who we build for. Those men and women on the job site are who we build for. So their adulation means more to me than anything else. So I think that that was a moment where I remember telling my co-founder, man, that might be my happiest moment in the company. Like the people in the field were like, this is worthy, you know, enough that I want to take this to my new job. And so that sticks out to me when you ask what that moment was. But we've not made it at all. I mean, we've got a lot to do. So <laughs> overall, a long journey ahead still, I think. 
Now, I, I'm so grateful to at least capture this moment in time, this conversation in the journey so that if we have you back someday or I read something in the news, ah, okay, I can see where this journey continues. You know, it's it's one of those things that um, just gives me a little bit of confidence as well. I mean, I'm still building. I know I have served, but I also, when I get some of those testimonials or you never know who's out there looking at your product, your content or what have you. And then when they finally pop their head and say, I'm here and I love what you're doing. Those are those little raindrops, as Dory Clark would say, to say, keep going, <laughs> keep mm-hmm. going uh, or move yeah. in the direction because this is where they're pulling you. So it's it's very gratifying for my listeners, too, as well as anytime somebody gives you a compliment on what you do, don't just shrug it off as like, well, that's just what I do. It's the universe telling you these are the skills, your superpowers keep and keep going and maybe pull you in a different direction. I wanted to take a moment to remind you that a recent study showed nearly 60% of leaders feel depleted at the end of the day. And this feeling is a key indicator of burnout and makes it difficult to lead and inspire others. If you've ever experienced that restless exhaustion, you know why CEOs are amongst the most likely candidates for experiencing job frustration. I wrote The CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track to confront those feelings and create a plan that is sustainable for you and your organization. I created a seven-point assessment that will help you figure out your problems in days, not months. And it includes so many resources, worksheets, videos, and much, much more. If this is you, please head over to my website, dropinceo.com, and click on my products, The CEO's Compass, and order yours on Amazon or other outlets. And now back to the conversation. Now, another thing is is you've built your company on people. I mean, obviously you've got great technology, you've got a co-founder, but people are so important. I mean, how big did you say your company is now? About 130 or so? A little over 100 little over 100 people. Yeah. (laughs) But one of the things is that you say it's critical to your business is believing in people. And sometimes that can be hard, especially if you have a bad experience. Sometimes you might say, well, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to keep that knowledge to myself. But you have a a different Mm -hmm. thought on that. I'd love for you to share about believing in people. Yeah. And it's just recent experience and something I get to relearn. I think if, if what I love to share with any leader, C-level or otherwise, that leads people is that it is okay to have those moments where you get burned or you have a bad situation and you go, God, I just feel jaded. I feel like, you know, every time I put myself out there or I trust in somebody, I've had these types of situations. I could say that's okay to feel that way. And it's it's certainly important that you bring yourself back because at the end of the day, I've always said that my, my biggest talent is hiring people smarter than me. <laughs> Truly. I'm not the smartest person in any room, but I think my will and work ethic is is I can outwork and outwill most people and I can find people that are a lot smarter than me to go do really critical things in the business. People are what make a company. I don't think people talk enough about the vulnerability of they can disappoint you and they're hard and you can't lose hope though because at the end of the day, no one's going to care about the revenue and the exit and the, this and that and the other. It's a, that's one the my famous Maya Angelou quote, right? They're going to remember how you made them feel, yeah. and and I think that is a that's a really important lesson that I continue to relearn, and and I just wanted leaders to know it's okay to be despondent, but you got to pick yourself back up and always still believe in those folks. You know, 
<laughs> this is so appropriate. I remember actually just this week I was networking with somebody and we had some common people that we knew about each other. And I just said, you know what? I had offered that person X, Y, and Z. I thought we were going to do such and such together. And then they just ghosted me. And I was joking around. I said, I have no ill will against that person. <laughs> it's just their behavior. You know, I think we're going to move forward then they don't. And so you get these moments of disappointment. But I agree with you. Be disappointed, acknowledge it, but don't don't lose your, I don't know, interest in that person. If they were interesting once, we don't know everything that's going on in their life. They may pop up again and say, Deb, I need you now. And then you forget about all that ill will, <laughs> all those things yeah, that they didn't do yeah. to meet your expectations because now you got to hit the ground running and do some work together. Yeah, it's easy to tell yourself a story too and not know what any given person's going through, to your point. you know. And I think that's another really important lesson. There has been moments in an emotional, high energy, high driving kind of guy where I've wanted to tell somebody exactly how I felt about how they behaved and chose not to and found out they were going through a very tough diagnosis. They were going mm -hmm. through a very tough fill in the blank. So glad as a young professional that I learned that lesson and I always give people the benefit of the doubt. doesn't mean there aren't just bad people out there. There are, you know, people that don't behave well, but it's important to keep faith that, that most are good and are worth it and worth the investment, you know? And so that's, that's a lesson I, I continue to learn and, and make sure I invest my time in. So one of the things I talk to people in my network, especially people coming up through the ranks, is having a good support system, whether it's a mastermind, mm -hmm. a mentor, a coach, or just people that have your back. And in my case, I'm building a board of advisors. I have a mentor and, to your point, a lot of smart people. So being an entrepreneur is lonely. And I'm just curious, what is mm -hmm. or who has been your support system over the years? I'll tell you, certainly mentors. I was able to just have, have lunch with one recently that, that has been critical and she's awesome. I will say that one of the topics I think is not discussed enough in entrepreneurship and in general is your home support system. My wife has been an unbelievable support in the middle of, I mentioned in the early on, the, uh, hey, honey, I don't have a salary for a couple of years. And it was a couple more than a couple of years. And she was nothing but supportive throughout all of that. And people don't talk about that a lot. I actually tell young entrepreneurs, it's kind of a funny thing. They go, hey, what do you think? I go, yes, will. Yes, product market fit. Yes, all the things. What's your home situation? <laughs> and is that person along for the ride? And if, if someone's like, hey, I don't have a partner and I don't, I'm not in a relationship, you might want to stay that way. If you're young and you're trying to start a company, you might want to stay that way. And they kind of laugh and I go, I'm serious. Listen. You don't know how much you're going to sacrifice, you know, and you might want to stay single for a couple of years while you figure this out. I think, you know, people, again, to the point of not knowing what's going on, so many, I mean, obviously divorce is 60% of the time and people struggle with a lot of different things. If you come home every day to someone going, why aren't you have a real job? This is going to fail. Constantly being your face about it. It's not going to work. It's very hard for it to work. And so I think that support system is something people need to evaluate seriously before they start a business. I totally agree with you. Um, been married for over 30 years now. Always been my friend, my husband. And when I said I wanted to do this, I had a little bit of a runway before going into starting my business, but he was right there with me, listening to me over and over again about all my crazy thoughts about what I wanted to do. And even when it got financially challenging, 
it's more about the family unit. And he was fortunate. He was doing okay in his business as well. So he carried me for about a year until things started going again. And even now, still making sacrifices. We eat in a lot. But I so believe in serving C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow, this podcast, the work that I do, the blog, the mastermind, everything. He's been a saint. (laughs) And I agree. Need a good support system, coach, mentor, or partner. Absolutely. So I'm just curious now, as we start bringing this to a close here, if you had any advice, I'm just going to put it out there. There's a lot of people in my network that I think should be starting their own business. They should not be with a corporate environment. They're no longer fitting there. Are there any tips or thoughts that you might say, even if they can't jump ship right now, they might want to start thinking about to prepare themselves for when the moment is right? Yeah, I think it is the most gratifying, rewarding hard thing you can do. And as I think about our, our future and where we're headed, money is so low on the totem pole at this point. I mean, certainly early on, if I'm being honest, it was probably way higher. The idea of like, what's the impact of what am I going to be sitting on a rocking chair on a deck someday? Yeah. And thinking about like, what change should I do? What What impact did I have in the world? And I think I would encourage potential entrepreneurs to think about that. That's the thing that resonates. Again, on your deathbed, they're not going to say, how many widgets did you sell? How many books did you sell? How much revenue? That big deal, all the things. They're not going to remember that. They're going to say, what did this business do to make an impact? I would start there because I think that's also where new generations are rallying around more than ever is around what impact they can make. And so as you think about recruiting and building your team and all the things... I simply couldn't get excited about building out TikTok, for example. No offense, TikTok lovers out there. You know, it's a great platform, sure. But like, it wouldn't get me up every day because to me, doing things for men and women, salty earth, blue collar people, I feel like that's worthwhile work. Those people deserve it. They deserve good solutions. They're good people. They built this country, like all the things. So I, I would just have you think about what that impact is before indexing. Where's the money? Where's the, I don't really have a passion for this. I don't care about this maybe, but it seems like it's lucrative. I've had friends that pursue those things and it just never works. You have to have the passion to drive you through the toughest times. So that's why I always say start there. That passion's there. When you have that super crappy year, sometimes <laughs> you, you have the ability to push through it. So. Now, that's beautiful. And I just love your leadership. I love your thoughts. I love where your heart and soul is to be in service to the workers of this world and all those people that realize their services are so valuable. So if we thought maybe a couple years from now where XOI technologies might be, what are your plans right now? Or where do you hope to be? Yeah, I, you know, I think that everything that's happening around generative AI, which is going to talk of every town and technology and what it can do. I think we have a real opportunity to provide a best-in-class kind of nirvana-type solution for people in the field. And, and this is accelerating you know, those activities in a lot of ways. If Skynet doesn't kill us all first. <laughs> for those Terminator <laughs> 2 people out there, I remember that movie. Um, so I think generative AI will create a situation in which self-serve diagnostic is, is the future. And it'll create a cohesive environment for technicians in the field that allows the skilled trades problem, the supply chain problem to really be killed once and for all. And for the expertise in our industry not to have to be working in the field until they're 70 years old, because there's other ways they can contribute 
And it really changes the dynamic of the entire business model, the entire market as a result. So that's what I hope we can be a part in. I tell my team often, it's happening with or without us. Why not us? Which is good when you look at the inevitability of these types of solutions. And so I hope we have a real voice in that in that solution and in that landscape. And that's beautiful. And I want to continue to follow your work because again, my, my husband's in the trades. My daughter's boyfriend is in the trades now as well. And it's interesting. I was having lunch with a group of people and there were a bunch of young people. They were 18, 19 years old. And so talking to some adults, we were saying, so what are you guys doing? What's next for you? And one said, I'm taking a gap year. Uh, another set person, I said, well, I'm just going to go work. And then another person said, I'm going into the trades. It was not of our generation. Oh, I'm going to this college. It's, and it is not for everybody, but there are so many other good things, purposeful things we can do. So I love this interview, but I do need to bring it to a close shortly. Any last thoughts that you want to share with our listeners? I think if I would encourage you as parents, as leaders, anyone in your life, as you just beautifully said, that is considering the trades, encourage them. I think there's still a stigma around that for some reason. And I can tell you how many of my customers are hiring plumbers out of trade school at 19 years old for $100,000 a year starting salary. This is an industry you can make great money in, you should be proud of. And I hope anyone listening takes that to heart. If you want to learn more about XOI, XOI.io. And thank you again, Deb. All right. Well, thank you so much, Aaron, for dropping in on the Drop-In CEO podcast. I wish you continued success and I just want to wish you well. Thanks, Deb. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who will find it useful and inspiring. When you share this podcast, it allows me to continue to help C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow to navigate their challenges with confidence. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.